Easter is the greatest event that has happened in human history. It's the greatest event that has happened in human history. In fact, here's what Easter tells us. Listen to this. Easter tells us these three things. One, love never dies. Two, life never ends. And number three, miracles still happen. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Love never dies. Life never ends. And miracles still happen today. And those miracles happen to people like you and to me. Here's what's amazing. That Easter tells us when God is in the mix, whatever you try to put in the grave can't stay there. Hallelujah. That's why the simplest meaning of Easter in the world that we live in, you ready for this? Is God always has the last words. God always has the last word. That's the miracle of Easter. God had the last word on that young boy. God has the last word on your life. That's the miracle that takes place. You know, there is a little bit of a minor miracle that takes place. And we learned, Cindy and I learned the minor miracle that came along with Easter with the four children that we have. And this is this. Parents, I want to help you here. Here's the minor miracle I learned. Is egg hunts, Easter egg hunts, tell us that your kids can really find things. Don't ever let them tell you they can't find their socks, their shirt, or their coat. If they can find an Easter egg, they can find their stuff. Just want you to know that. This story caught my attention thinking about the prodigal because Cindy and I lived there for 30 years. It was in Detroit, Michigan. In fact, it took place, it ended in the middle of the story, kind of like the prodigal. It was another prodigal story that I was reading about. It started in northern Michigan, a place called Traverse City. And then what took place, it went all the way to Detroit. It was a young girl in Traverse City who was really going through the same thing that this young man was going through. Some thought it was going to be a grave in Detroit, but it really became a resurrection. While she was in Traverse City, she began to come to a point in her life that she decided, I can do life without my father in my life, my mother in my life. I don't need church. I don't need God. I don't need anything. So literally, like the movie you saw, she packed everything up, got on a seven-hour bus ride, and went to Detroit that she thought was going to begin through rebellion to make something of her life. And little did she know, and she didn't even script it out this way, their life was going to become one of drugs and prostitution. She, like that young man, came to her senses. And what she did was this. She went on to a phone and called her parents, called them three times, but the only thing she got was a voicemail. Didn't even get um, a hello. And three times she left the voicemail for her parents as she was telling the story, and nobody answered. And she just said, I want to come home. I've messed up. I want to come back to, 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 to really to be with you, Father. I want to come back to be with you, Dad. And so what this young girl did without knowing if she'd even be welcome, she got on a seven-hour bus ride from Detroit to Traverse City. And she said in her story, she said it was the last 15 minutes that were excruciating because she didn't know what was going to happen. And she said and she wrote when she got off the bus as the last person off the bus and walked into the Traverse City Terminal, not knowing what to expect. She said, not one of the thousand scenes that I played in my mind was ever, that I ever thought would be before me there. When she got off the bus, there stood 40 people waiting for her, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, 
cousins, a grandmother, and even a great-grandmother. And here's the part I love. They were all wearing these goofy party hats, blowing noisemakers, and taped across the back wall was this, welcome home. Welcome home. And when she saw her father walking towards her, she wrote in the story. She said, as her dad walked towards her, and she rehearsed this speech for her father. She walked, as the, she walked towards her. She said, she said, Father, I want to, and he said, be quiet, sweetheart. She said, we don't have time for the speech. We're going to be late. She goes, late for what? She says, at home, we have a party waiting for you, that you have come home. That's the story that you heard today. It was the great American storyteller, Mark Twain, who was asked this question. Who is the greatest storyteller in history? And without missing a beat, Mark Twain said, Jesus is. And they asked him, what's the greatest story that he ever told? And literally never missing a beat, he said the story of the prodigal son. So let's read for just a moment here the story of the prodigal son. Make a few comments, and then we're going to begin to see the finale of the prodigal. Here's the way Jesus told the story. Luke chapter 15, and the Bible says this in verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey. In the Bible, Jesus uses this phrase, into a distant country. For the movie, it was Miami. For this little girl in Traverse City, it was going to be Detroit. That distant country is what ever separates you from the father. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. and He began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. Yet here's the part I love. Here's the turn of the story. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my father. And, he's, and the Bible says this, and I'm going to say, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, don't you love this part? His father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the Bible says, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And just like that little girl was interrupted in that Traverse City bus station, the father in this story interrupts the whole speech that he rehearsed in the, in the pig pen, the father interrupts him and says, quickly, bring out the best robe. Put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. And here's the best part. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life. He was lost and now he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Hallelujah. Why, why tell the story of the prodigal son on Easter. I'm going to tell you why. Because the story of the prodigal son is a story of resurrection. See, when Jesus told the parable, the father says this in Luke 15, 24, for this son of mine was dead and has come to life. That's resurrection. See, when someone comes back 
to the Father, it's the miracle of resurrection that is happening even today. In fact, can I just let you know, this is why Jesus came for that resurrection. Let me say it like this. Jesus didn't come into the world to make bad men good. He came to make dead people live again. That's the gospel. That's what he's come to do. See, Jesus said this about his own resurrection. He said, because I live, John 14, 9, you shall live also, which means the resurrection of Jesus means the resurrection of everyone in this place today. It's the resurrection of us all. See, resurrection, Times Square Church, resurrection means coming home. It means coming home. For those that are watching online from Indonesia and the Philippines, South Korea and Malaysia, for those watching from Canada, Brazil, Ireland and France, right now online from Uganda, Russia, Kenya and Puerto Rico, coming home means coming back to the Father. That's what it means. So let's just talk for a few moments about coming home. Let's mention that for just a second. See, the prodigal son's story, don't miss this, is not just somebody's story. Here it is. It's everybody's story. It's all of our story. That's what this story is about. See, home means back to the Father. It means back to God. I am a prodigal. Every time I look for love in places that it can't be found. I am a prodigal when I'm looking for something that only God can give. Or as the great author C.S. Lewis said, he said this, history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. See, that's why today God wants to, as you sang, wants to rewrite history for you today. Because this story that you saw, that we read, is not just a story about a prodigal son, but I'm going to show you today. It's a story about a prodigal father, and I'll explain that in the next few minutes. Let me just say something about the prodigal son. I read about a robbery that took place in the Midwest at a convenience store called a Circle K in the Midwest. In fact, let me just go on record to say they never caught the criminal, and I don't even think they wanted to catch the criminal when you hear the end of the story because he wasn't very smart. So let me tell you what happened. He had this genius plan that he'd walk into a convenience store, pull out $20, buy a pack of gum for, for a buck, and when, the cat, when he gave them the $20, here was the plan. When they opened up the register to give him his change, he would grab all the money in the register. Well, it worked like a dream, is what the police report said. He walked into a Circle K in this Midwest city, he gave the $20 for a pack of gum, and when the cashier opened up the register, he grabbed all the money and ran. The only problem was there was only $14 in the cash register, which made it a $6 loss for the criminal act. I think the police said, he's already lost, let's not even buy. $6 short for the criminal. But see, that's how sin works. That's what happened to the prodigal son. See, the son of Luke chapter 15 is a story that comes up $6 short. Think about it. The prodigal son got all that he wanted. Jesus said he gathered everything. He got to spend it on whatever he wanted to. They call it loose living is what Jesus said. He got to go wherever he wanted with what he, with what he took with him, and that was called the distant country, and he got to do it with whoever he wanted to do it with, 
And all of a sudden, when the story ends, he finds out that it was $6 short, that everything that you grabbed, it wasn't enough to get you there. In fact, the final desperate condition is what you read in Luke 15 when it says nobody was giving anything to him. Nobody was. See, that's what sin does, $6 short. In fact, someone said it like this. Listen to these words. Sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And if you don't get that, maybe you'll understand this. Sin will fascinate, and then sin will assassinate. That's what it does. See, that's what, calls, that's what happened to this son. But remember, here's the good news of the Easter story, that graves can't hold people if God wants to raise them back up. Something happens to this boy when he comes to himself. Listen to it. Luke 15, 17. The Bible says he came to his senses. How did that happen? How did that take place? Well, when my father worked for the New York City Police Department, he, we, we started living in Brooklyn, and then he moved the family to Long Island. And so I grew up in Long Island. And I remember... Now, let me just ask you this. How many grew up in New York? Would you raise your hand? Okay, let me ask this question. This is a 70s question. Here it comes. How many remember a shopping store called Alexander's? Anybody remember? Oh, my goodness. That's the biggest amen that we've got the entire service from you. How many remember Corvettes? Anybody remember Corvettes? Let me tell you why Alexander's was something. It was, there was one by Bloomingdale's, but the one I went to that my parents brought me to was on Sunrise Highway in Long Island. That one person said yes. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened there. It was the first time I got separated from my parents. I got lost. Lost in a busy store on a Saturday at Alexander's. And while I was there, people were all around. I started calling to my parents, and it seemed like I couldn't get through but the louder I yelled, it was almost seemed like that it was just getting muffled with everyone that was there. And then in the midst of all the voices in the store, I would hear my dad say, and they called me at that time, Timmy. And I'd hear that Italian voice from my father go, Timmy. And, and, and all of a sudden, above all the other voices, I knew my father's voice and found my way back to him. I think that's exactly what happened in a Jerusalem pig pen. A boy covered in mud heard a voice above all the other voices. In fact, those that are watching online, those that are watching in our annex and those that are here, even as the movie played, maybe as a line in one of the songs or something you're hearing right now, you're hearing also another voice. It wasn't just a voice on a microphone, but some voice deep inside I want to tell you today, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you back home. It's the voice of the Father calling you. So let me close with this. It wasn't just about a prodigal son, but the father enters, and it's about a prodigal father. See, when it comes to the word father today, some people cringe because today that name can evoke all kinds of emotions from absentee, abusive, uncaring, never communicating. I love you. I'm proud of you. But like today, Jesus not only tells the story 
for, for the surrounding people, but he's about to redefine what a father is just like it needs help today because he was wanting them to see what 1 John 3, 1 says when the writer of John says this, see what great love the father has lavished on us. The Bible wants us to see what the father has for us. And here's what you're going to see, that God the father is unlike any earthly father you can ever know today. Unlike any father. Because Jesus is redefining who God the father is in this story. And he's going to tell us that he is the prodigal father. And some of you right now are putting on the brakes going, wait, Pastor Tim, I thought this is about the story about the prodigal son. Why did you even say prodigal father? Well, it all depends upon what prodigal means. See, I, what we what we've consider to be prodigal is every time we hear that word, we're thinking of something bad. We're thinking of the son in the story. We're thinking of the son that was on the screen or the young lady from Traverse City going to Detroit. And we associate prodigal with evil or prodigal with sin or bad living. But what's interesting is prodigal is actually a neutral word. It doesn't mean sin and it doesn't mean bad and it doesn't mean good. In fact, the word actually means to lavish, to go all out, to be extreme. See, because what he was saying was, what this word actually means is you can be prodigal in sin and you can be prodigal in love. You can be extreme in rebellion and extreme in forgiveness. You can be prodigal bad and you can be prodigal good. And here's what we see in the story. The prodigal son needed a prodigal father. The prodigal sinner needed a prodigal forgiver. A son that just extremely blew it needed a father that would extremely love him. And the prodigal father looked totally different than any other father in this story. And I see what this prodigal father began to do because on the day that this son wanted to return, you see prodigal come out of the father when he runs to his son. Men at that time don't run. Teenagers may run. Children may run. But the men of that first century Middle Eastern community, they don't run. And when the son moved, the father ran. And that very thing can happen today. But why would he run? Why would the father run when the son, why wouldn't he sit there and just tapping his foot saying, I told you so? Why wouldn't he do that? All right, let me go back to the 70s again and to Alexander's. I don't know if you grew up this way, but I sure did. When I grew up in Long Island, there was a thing called getting spanked that they don't talk about very much anymore. How many remember those days? There was no such thing as a time out. Let me just tell you that right now. That, that wooden spoon that stirred the spaghetti sauce was also a spoon of correction. How many remember those days? But it used to get worse. And here's how it used to get worse. Is I grew up in a time that it wasn't just my parents could spank me. The whole neighborhood. How many remember those days that you just go? And what even was worse was this. If you acted up at your neighbor's home and they spanked you and your parents found out, they would spank you again at the house. Instead of, 
Instead of them going, how dare they? They're going like, you shouldn't have done that. The teacher could spank you. The Sunday school teacher. The guy at the gas station can spank you. Why did the father run? Because what I experienced in the 70s is exactly what was taking place in this Middle Eastern town. Because the father wanted the son to meet forgiveness first before suspicion and doubt. Let me tell you what he was doing. The whole town could have corrected this kid. The whole town could have been sitting there tapping their feet going, so you're the one who squandered all of your father's estate. And the father, instead of the town correcting him, he said, I want the first person you meet is the loving arms of God the father. I'm going to run out. He said, before you get to that village, I'm going to run out where you are. I'm going to cut you off from suspicion and doubt, put my arms around you and show you what a father actually does. He does not only runs, but can I tell you where he becomes prodigal? He also gives. He starts giving the son. This is what's amazing. He starts giving him some significant things. When he was waiting, when he runs to him, he doesn't say, get cleaned up and then I'll bring you back. The father cleans him up himself. That's the miracle of all this. The father gets him cleaned up. And then there's one more thing that blows me away is when the father gives him a ring. That's the part that bothered me because that's prodigal father. Put shoes on, put a robe on him, throw a feast. I get it. That's the love of a father. But it really becomes extreme, lavish when he gives him a ring. Because that ring was the credit card of that day. It was American Express. That ring was Visa. Because that's how you bought things. It was your ring that identified you. It wasn't simply a number, but it identified the family that would commit to paying that price. What he was doing was he was giving him something that he blew In the very beginning of the story. What kind of dad does that? It would have been better just to go here. You get all this. But no, not with the money. But let me tell you something about the prodigal father and about God the father. God forgives people. He doesn't put them on probation. He is not a probation officer waiting to see if you're going to mess up again. When God forgives, he forgives completely. Thank God for his forgiveness today. See, the son didn't come home to the father clean, but he was still dirty. Because here's the part I want you to understand. Those that are watching online, I want you to listen to this. That the son never stopped being the son even when he was covered in mud. He was never, never all of a sudden when he leaves, now he's no longer a son. When he was covered with all the world, that God was beginning to give us an amazing story. What an amazing time that we've watching the story today. Let me just say this. So in my pocket, I have $20. And Tim here did a great job singing. Tim, what a powerful thing that as he was singing that final song. But Tim is not only a good singer, Tim is very smart. Watch. Tim, if I was going to give you this $20, what would you do? He said, I take it. That's why Tim, that's why he's on the stage. Some of you are going like, that's how easy it is. But, but, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to New York City. But Tim, I want to ask you a question. 
What if I was to, what if I was to take this? Watch now, watch now, folks. This is what's going to get crazy. And I just look at that. I mean, it is messed up big time. Tim, do you still want it? He said yes. And same with her. Here's what's amazing. Think about this. He still wants it. But folks, I'm not done yet. Watch this. Ha <laughs> ha. Do you still want it? He said, absolutely. You know why? Because even though it got beat up, crushed, and thrown on the ground, it's still worth $20. See, God, God knew. The father knew even though that boy was in the pig pen, he was still a son. That father knew that even though he was beat up, stepped on, and crushed, he was still a son that needed to come home back to the father and needed a resurrection. That's what happens. See, here's the good news is God loves you as you are, not as you should be. That's how much he loves you. And here's the good news. He loves you so much that he's not going to let you stay as you are. That's the gospel. That's why on that day, as God loves you without caution, without regret, without boundary, without limit or breaking point, what's so amazing about the story is that when the prodigal son comes home, he didn't just get a ring. He didn't just get a robe. And he didn't just get shoes. But the greatest thing the son received on that day is received his father. He got his father. And today... I am telling you, those that are watching, those that are sitting here, those in the annex, every day has the potential of being a party for a prodigal today. Every day. As you're sitting here right now, just before we get to the finale, God is waiting for somebody to come home today. Some, God is waiting. Some of you are here today. And here's what's a miracle. Every day, God throws parties for prodigals. Every day. 2 Corinthians 6.2 lets us know at the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of coming home. Today is that day. Every day, not just Sundays. Any day is the day that you can come home. You may be watching this or listening to this on a day that's not even a Sunday. I'm going to tell you, every day is a day to come home back to God. You don't have to get dressed up to come home. If things are messed up, perfect. You are worthy for that father to come in and now begin his surgery, his work in you. Because here's the thing I want you to remember, those that are with us today, you don't get good and come to God. You come to God and he makes you good. That's the gospel story. See, coming back home is coming back to the Father. Coming back to the Father is entering a brand new relationship with him called being born again. That God wants a relationship with you, not just for now, but forever. Forever. Coming back to the Father right now is right relationship with him. But here's the good news. Just like Freddie led us in that very first song, that on that day when my strength is failing, that every one of us is going to have that day. Everyone is going to have a day that our strength is failing, that, it's, that we get close to the end. Or, or let me say it to you this way. Here, here, ready for this? Listen, 
Here it is. A hundred years from now, you are not going to be sitting in that seat. Some of you are going like, but I go to Planet Fitness. You won't be here. You won't be here. But I eat kale. Okay, let me just let you know. You won't be here. Whether you eat kale or Twinkies, you won't be here in a hundred years. So we got to get this right. How do we then get to home, to heaven? Okay, get this now. We're talking about eternity, and eternity is too long to be wrong. So let's get this right. Here's what the Father said. Here's what Jesus said. The one who told the story of Luke 15 said these words. Here it comes. He says this, no man can see the kingdom of heaven. Let's put no man can see home. No man can see our ultimate home unless they're born again. That's Jesus's words. And in fact, some of you are going like born again. Is that, is that Protestant? Is that Catholic? Is that TS? No, no, no. That's Jesus who doesn't lie. In fact, Jesus said, when I tell you this, he says in John 3, 7, don't be amazed. I said it to you. You must be born again. He said, don't be amazed at that. He says, these are the directions. Can we just be clear about something, folks? And that's this. If anybody knows the directions to his own home, it's Jesus. He knows how to get to heaven. Because some of you are sitting here. If I was to ask you, how do you get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. That's good. That's not what Jesus said. Well, I don't hurt anybody. Great. Please continue. But that's not what Jesus said. Well, I, I've, I've gone to the mosque or the synagogue or I've, I've, um, I've had communion or I was baptized or my parents are religious or I pay the bills or I haven't done any harm to my family. Those are all admirable things. But Jesus said, you must be born again. What does born again mean? Here it is. Jesus said, just as you had a first birth physically, many of you in the hospital, Jesus said, you need a second birth spiritually. It's when God comes in and changes us. Here it is from the inside out. But Pastor Tim, how does that take place? Okay, here it is. It's as simple as ABC. Here, here's how you can be born again. Start a brand new relationship with God. Here's how it comes. It's A, admitting that I'm a sinner. It's admitting that I, all of us, starting with me, have a condition called sin. I can't fix it with a promise. I can't fix it with a program, a priest, a pastor, a religion. None of it can fix it. We need help to fix this. I'm broken on the inside. And I have to start with A, admitting that I'm a sinner, that I'm not a mistaker in need of correction. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I don't need a second chance. I need a second birth. That's what he's asking. That's what he's calling you home to, a second birth. And then it comes to the B word, believe. Believe that God sent the son to fix that sinful condition. I can't fix myself. You can't fix yourself. Think about this for just a moment. This is what's so important about understanding. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through the suffering that we began to speak about on Good Friday would be the worst case and the ultimate case of child abuse. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then here it is. Then Jesus would never have to come. But I couldn't do that. Jesus' death was Jesus paying the price for me. It was Jesus being my sin bearer because I sinned against God. That's what sin is. That the only way I can do it was laying down my life because sin was an offense against God. So Jesus would die the death I should have died. 
lived the life that I couldn't live and gave me a reward I didn't deserve called forgiveness in heaven. And finally, as we close and get ready for the finale, it's confessing Jesus as Lord. This word Lord is the difference between religion and relationship. Romans 10, 9, and 10 talks about confessing him as Lord, meaning you're in charge of my life. Not you're in charge on Sunday for 90 minutes, but you're in charge. You're in charge every single day. Jesus, God did not send Jesus to die on a cross to get you to sit on a, in a chair on a Sunday for 90 minutes. He didn't die on the cross to get you to church. He died on the cross to get you to heaven. That's what he has come to do today. Pastor Tim, how did, then how does this happen? How how do I I come home? It's not just simply coming to church. It's coming back to God. Coming to God. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Right now, I'm going to ask everybody on the main floor, the annex. If you're watching online, I want you just to close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment. Just close your eyes for just one moment. Because I want to ask you the most important question you can ever be asked. It's a coming home question. Coming home means coming back to God. If you're watching online, I want you just to, just to pause for a second. Don't get up. This is the most important question anyone can ask because eternity is too long to be wrong. Jesus gives us the directions for the ultimate home, heaven, and coming back to him now. And if you're here today, say, Pastor Tim, I want to start that journey. I've been coming to church. Or I thought I was religious, and I thought all, all, all the... All the things you mentioned, I I came from a religious family, or this is my first time in church. It doesn't matter. The prodigal, he's calling prodigals to come home today. Prodigal. Doesn't have to necessarily be an addiction or a failure. It could be a penthouse. It could be coming from a million dollar salary or being a CEO of a corporation. You may be an actor on Broadway and you may be an an athlete that plays in a stadium in New York City, but I'm going to tell you, the cross makes all of us level. We all need Jesus today. All of us. And today, if you're sitting here with every head bowed and every eye closed, you'd say, Pastor Tim, I want to be born again today. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a born again prayer. In fact, we're all going to pray it together. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I want to start a journey with God in the annex, main floor, right here and watching online. If you're here today and say, I want to start a journey with God. I want to be born again. When you pray that prayer, Pastor Tim, would you put me in it? Would you, would you make me part of that prayer? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're, we're coming to the end of some COVID protocols, but we're not going to make you stand and we're not going to ask you to walk forward. But if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll be the only one looking right now. And you say, please put me in that prayer. I want to start a journey with God. I want to be born again. I want to come back home. I want to come back to the Father today. If wherever you are, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, put me in that prayer today, without any hesitation, if that's you, would you just hold up your hand? Just hold it up as high as you can, because I want to make sure I see every hand. Hold them up high, because I'm going to count them. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two. Keep them up. Forty-three, forty-four, forty-five, forty-six, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-nine. Let me just make sure I see there's fifty. I got you back there. What about in the balcony? Fifty. I want to make 
sure I see every hand that's up. 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, 65. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Thank God. Listen, if you're watching online, just text the word decided right now. Just text decided. Put it right on the chat. You you type decided right there online right now. And we want to begin to pray. Folks, I want to pray with these 65 people right now. And those in the annex, I didn't get a chance to count you, but you are part of it. Those online, you're going to type in on the chat line, decide, can we all pray this together? Come on, let's say this out loud, all of us. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, we like to say this part loud. Come on now. God is my Father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Here it comes. And heaven is my home in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you're online, you just type decided and we're going to be celebrating with you. And if you're in the annex, Listen, I wanted you to do one thing. If you're in here, the annex online or here, do me one favor. Just text the word decided to 51,000. Decided to 51,000. We're just going to send you a quick link to help you on next steps. You know what? Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, Don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.